This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. Hello and welcome to the Dow TAO of Inbound. I'm your host, Ian Garlic, CEO of Authentic Web, an internet marketing agency in Orlando, Florida. I travel all around the country working with attorneys, law firms, and in Orlando, we work with anyone that provides a service. And we have one of those service professionals, one of those awesome services, those cool businesses, the owner and founder of of Play With a Purpose, Sharon Fisher. Play With a Purpose, she'll describe it a little, but they do event management, they do team working and building events, um, sorry, team building events. Um, Sharon's been doing it for a long time, she's in the event industry, and the event industry is a unique industry indeed. Uh, and I love not only what Sharon does, but her ideas. She's so full of great ideas and her professionalism and how she takes it to an incredible level. I love these podcasts too, because I, not only do I hope you're learning from them, but in every one of them, I learn something too. And I learn a lot. Outside of these podcasts, I'm always educating myself on marketing. I'm always talking to some of the most brilliant marketing minds in the country. You've heard from a few of them. And I'm working in businesses. So uh, this isn't just theoretical marketing ideas that I think should work because we're testing these out and we're making them work for our clients. The guys you're listening to are making them work every day. And even with all that learning I still learn on these podcasts, and I, I feel like when I listen to a lot of interviews, well, everyone kind of knows the answers, and and the interviews, interviewers always throw up softballs, so I try not only to challenge our interviewees, but also I'd like to come up with new ideas, and definitely on this episode... I came up with a lot of new ideas for my business, and hopefully you'll find a lot of ideas for your business. I know you will, because I know there's things in here you never thought of before, or you might have thought of, but not at the level that Sharon describes. And so you might be thinking, well, events, I'm not in the event business. How's this going to work for me? Sharon's going to tell you how to use events as content, how to use events as marketing and and, and and inbound marketing techniques. So actually internet marketing techniques using live events. But on top of it, she's going to talk about unique ways to engage both, both your clients and your team using events 
in a unique way. And we've most of us have been to conferences and events, and they all seem the same and salesy and that. And what I love is Sharon will push value to you, which we always push. Push. How do I identify your ideal clients? But the, what she also explains is two different ways to use it as events, as marketing, and inbound marketing specifically, and building value. And the, the ways she does are too, so big that this is going to be two episodes. So the first episode is going to be how to create your own event, an event that is a marketing piece, unlike any other marketing piece that you've ever done. I'm not just talking about getting up there and speaking. And in fact, she says that's not the way to do it anymore. Uh, she'll tell you ways that have working for her clients, the ways that she's using experiential learning, making that content experiential and engaging and highly valuable. And in the next podcast episode, she's going to talk about using that content beyond the event. Using that content to market yourself after the event. So the event becomes two very powerful, very long-living pieces of content, pieces of marketing engagement. And if you weren't thinking about doing an event before, or you're thinking about doing a boring old speaking engagement, or a boring old booth at a trade show I know Sharon's gonna change your mind and if you weren't thinking about doing an event I guarantee by the end of these two podcasts not only were you gonna improve the way you market without events you're gonna be thinking about doing an event and you're gonna be thinking about how you're gonna use that in next event that you're going to so let's get started with Sharon in episode about creating your events and making a marketing piece. Welcome to the Dial of Inbound. This is Ian Garlic, and I'm here with Sharon Fisher today. And Sharon is the owner, CEO, head honcho at Play with a Purpose. Uh, she's a good friend and an amazing, not only marketer, but um, uh, event expert. And we were talking one day about using events as marketing tools and as pieces of content. And if you really want effective marketing, I feel your content has to be unique. And when you think of new forms of content, events as content is pretty, it's awesome. It's original. So Sharon, tell me a little bit about your business and what you guys do. Um, basically, we're an event company. We plan and stage events for groups, and we play in two markets. We play in the meetings market, where we help um, planners and stakeholders drive ROI through creating very engaging events um, for their for their internal stakeholders or for users conferences or for whatever. And then we also work in the event marketing field where we help companies and brands that are trying to touch their consumers in a new and different way. And we help develop events for them. Uh, can you give me an example of like one of your latest and greatest events? Um, sure. We worked with a, um, an automobile manufacturer and they sponsor events across the country to um, drive new business for their 
for their um, brand. And so we worked with a company that was sponsoring a musical festival and we were showcasing their brands at the festival. So we had cars set up and we had them come in and um, the consumers, the, the participants at the festival came in and sat in the car and listened to music and had to name, play, name that tune using automobile songs. So, you know, so all different kinds of songs with Chevy or Ford or whatever in the song. And the whole goal was to get them to drive consideration to buy their brand. So they weren't buying cars. It was educating them about their brand. So, um, that's an example of one that we did for a, for a car manufacturer. Awesome. And at, obviously at the event, there's a lot of marketing that you're doing. Um, do you, now, you, that's one example of just directly marketing to a consumer. Do you feel like um, when you do events and it's just internal that you're marketing to the internal staff? Is that an effective way to market and is that important? Yes, you're, you're marketing and, but more usually you're educating is when you're, when you're holding a conference and you're doing things internally, you're more trying to drive them to, to some kind of a behavior, whether you're trying to increase sales or whether you're trying to, um, help them figure out how to be better at their jobs or do leadership training. So usually with internal conferences, it's more about education than it is about, um, than it is about marketing. Gotcha. So, now this idea then of using the event as content, um, why do you feel that's important and, and why would I want to do that? Well, the, the information that you are sharing with your, if you're doing a meeting for internal stakeholders, we'll use that as an example. If you're doing a meeting for them and you're sharing information about how can we increase brand recognition and how do we educate our consumers on, on our brand so that they want to buy our, us instead of somebody else, a lot of that same information can be used from a content perspective. So you can create a blog, you can create a white paper, you can do a lot of things using that exact same information that you're sharing with your team to create content for another another platform. So the whole goal is to inform, to be helpful, to create trusted, um, make you a trusted resource. And so the same thing that makes you a trusted resource for your internal employees makes you a trusted resource for your customers. That's fantastic. You know, and, and I think a lot of people think of well, I'm, I'm this way internally and that way when I market. Like you're two different faces and really thinking about your events and, and thinking about keeping that story consistent is important. One thing I, I really like what you said is value and, and you know, really providing value. Um, how do you feel besides educating um, th these events provide value to stakeholders? Well, there's a couple of different ways. Let me let me just backtrack so I don't lose this one thought that we talked about um, about using the content and it's the same outside as it is inside. And one of the key um, things that we're really seeing in the marketplace is authenticity and that you have to be real. You can't have a face outside and a face inside and have them be different. And so when you create events events are authentic. You can't really fake it at an event. You can fake it in writing. You can fake it in a blog, but you can't fake it when you're sitting there live face to face with somebody. So, so creating that authentic, real brand and who you are will help you, um, with your customers and again, become that trusted resource for them. So, so using your events, um, to create that brand authenticity and a brand experience will give you, um, 
give you that real life customer front touch. That's awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, that's great value because it, you know, it, that consistency is so important and having that authenticity, obviously and authenticity is important to us. Um, but, <laughs> uh, um, authenticity, you know, a lot of people think, well, I have to, it, it just has to naturally flow, but can you script it? I mean, can you script this authenticity with events? Yes, you can. When you're designing events, there's, there's a couple things that you need to think about when you're creating the content. So if you're going to create an event for your customer, you're going to create a mini event within an industry event, you're going to speak at that thing. There's a couple things that you want to think about when you're creating that event and when you want to use that event as, as a content tool for you. And the first thing is, is you want to share a relevant and a really valuable story. You want it to be informative and educational and entertaining and all those good things. You want it to be marketing backed, meaning that you want it to have some kind of sales and marketing objective. Not that that's the sole purpose of it, but you need to have that underlying feeling that um, this is going to accomplish our sales and marketing objectives. Then it needs to be behavior driven in that you want to try and change attitudes. You want to try and change behaviors. You want to try and change actions. So if you're doing a, um, if you're doing a mini event at a conference where all your customers are, you want to think about how am I going to get them to change their perception of me or to reinforce their good perception of me so that they'll continue to buy from me. Um, and then you don't want to just do a standalone thing at a conference. You don't want to just do a standalone event. It needs to be integrated into all your other marketing platforms. You need to talk about it on social. You need to do a blog about it. You need to um, do some print about it. And then the last thing is, is you need to think about who is my targeted and very specific audience that I'm talking to? Who is it that I want to reach with this message and with this event so that you're not trying to talk to 100 people and be 100 things to everybody? You've got a very, very niche and very targeted kind of an event for that particular audience. Um, you know, in marketing, that's the place we start is who's the that person you're talking yep. to. You feel like with the event, is that the place you start? Yes. Yep, and we um, go so far as we have a, an exercise that we do where we create fictional uh, characters based on real life participants. So we'll walk through who is this person, how old are they, what are their interests, where did they go to school, what do they do in their jobs, what do they do for fun. So we create personas and then we take a look at those personas that we've created for those specific customers and figure out, okay, how do we target an event that will attract them and that will make them brand loyal for us. Um, can you give me an example uh, or a, a theoretical example of one of these events and how it works? I mean, it, it, we did the automobile one. Do you have another one? Um, well, like for instance, I'll, do, I'll give you a personal example. We're getting ready to create um, an event within an event. There's a huge industry in the meetings industry. There's a huge show called IMAX. 30,000 people come to this show. And on one day, they do what's called Smart Monday, which is our educational day. So we are going to own Smart Monday and we're creating a playroom since we're play with a purpose. And it's going to be an entire day long um, experience with speakers and hands on interactive things where people can come in and actually 
actually learn how do we engage our audiences and how do we make our meetings more fun, more playful, more educational, more hands-on, more participatory. So, so in that example, we are targeting senior level meeting planners. We are showcasing them things that are hands-on and participatory, which is what our, our niche is. Um, it totally meets our sales and marketing objectives because that's who we're going after. So we've put together some profiles of here's the typical kind of person that will come, including our competitors will come and see who we are. Um, and so we're targeting um, the interactive pieces and the showcases and the stations that we're doing within that space to target those particular profiles. That's fantastic. And so I assume you're not just doing like getting out a ping pong ball and tossing it around. <laughs> <laughs> no, no ping pong balls, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people, you know, I'm sure a lot of people when they first think of team building events or these type of events, they think of like these old outdated events and they, they might try and do that. Do you see those mistakes a lot, even at, at, at like the corporate level? You know, there's if we're if we're going to talk about team building as opposed to to marketing things with team building, there's really two different kinds of team building. There's fun, recreational, let's get together and laugh and just have a good time and let our hair down, which is great. People love to do that, and it works, and and it accomplishes the goal of relationship building and some camaraderie. But true team building is really an event or an activity where the group has to work together to accomplish a task. And then there's a debrief after that task to help you figure out why, what did we see and what did we learn? What were the ahas? And then how do we take that back to our marketplace? And then there has, I mean, back to our office. And then there has to be some um, some follow-up afterwards. You can't just do it one time and then forget about it and move on. You have to continuously have somebody that's cheerleading and spearheading. Oh, yeah, we learned that this is how we act when we do such and such. We can't act like that anymore. So um, so, so there's two different kinds of, of team building. And team building now, what we're really seeing is in the meetings world, it used to be a two-hour event at the last day of the conference so everybody could let their hair down and, and kick back and now what we're seeing is they're infusing team building in air quotes <laughs> team building um, throughout the course of their entire meeting so they're starting with some kind of a networking thing up front and then they're including um, what I call educational networking where they're sharing ideas and things like that through the sessions and through the breakouts and throughout the entire conference so it's so it's really morphing and changing and changing forms. So what part of that team building do you take and use in creating an event and creating a marketing event, creating this event within an event? Well, for us, the playroom is the perfect example because what we're doing is we're taking the things that we know about creating hands-on and participatory meetings and then we're showcasing them in the playroom. So for us, it's really about taking what we do every single day and just sharing that knowledge and how we do it and what we do and how to make it work for you in that room. So we're, so it's going to include a lot of hands-on tips for our, for our, um, our, our customers for our planners to take home with them and to be able to do all by themselves. It's not necessarily about they're going to hire us. We hope they'll hire us once they have something big that they need real help with. But we're also going to give them individual tools and techniques that they can take home. And then we're going to write those all up. We'll put together a white paper from everything that they learned at the conference. We'll publish the white paper. We'll use that as content. We'll broadcast it live, you know, on our Facebook page. We'll do some, we'll do some um, videos, chats with planners. 
planners, you know, while we're on site. So we'll use that platform to help um, to help really get a whole bunch of different kinds of content out of it. That's fantastic. And yeah, that content is fantastic. But also, I, I really like this idea of tactile content, essentially, you know, where they're interacting and you're providing value. Because that's a whole new level. I mean, most of what we talk about is internet content, where it's writing or video, which it's, while there is a bit of interaction, it's not, you're not touching and you're not experiencing. And and that experience really changes people. Uh, What kind of reactions do you see? Oh, visible reactions. The whole, the whole opportunity to be face to face with a customer and to be able to share knowledge with them and gain knowledge from them is just, it's huge. We did an event one time for a group that had just formed a, for a credit union that had just, I shouldn't say it was a software company that sold to credit unions. And they had just put together a brand new board of directors and we're getting them together for the first time. So it was the software company and their board was all people that managed credit unions. So they came to us and they said, we don't want to just sit there and do a grill you and ask you about your business and try and figure out how we can sell you more stuff thing. We really want this to be a valuable piece of the of their day. We want to make it rewarding for them to come. So we created what we called an experience excursion. We went out to um, 15 different places in Orlando that we felt all had unique experiences and had changed and transformed the way they did their businesses. They went out, they saw those, they took notes, and then they came back and we spent an entire day brainstorming on how do you take the things that you saw out in the industries that were not related to your world at at all. How do you take those things and then put them to use in your industry? And so from the credit unions, from the board perspective, they got tons and tons and tons of new ideas that they could bring forth to their businesses. And from the um, from our client side, from the software company side, they saw the real hands-on issues and the real hands-on things that their clients were dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And they walked away with six ideas for new products that they could develop to help their clients do their business better. So, well, I don't know yet whether any of them have come to fruition, but um, but it was it was all about being hands-on and providing education rather than trying to... Um, provides trying to sell somebody something. So it was all about working together on how do we move the industry forward? How do we help you? How, what's your issues? All of that. So, and that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what my whole podcast about. That's how we market is providing value, providing value, providing value. And once you become that, that valuable a person, of course they're going to work with you because yep. you've now become a friend. What I, you know, and, and I just heard over and over again how much value you're providing, how important it is. Do you see a lot of people when they're trying to create an event or trying to do something that they just go for the marketing sales part at first and you have to turn them around? Oh, yeah. Clients? Yeah. I mean, we're, we've been ingrained, especially if you're my age, <laughs> you know, you've been ingrained that you go to a trade show to sell. You know, when you're in your booth trying to sell somebody something as opposed to you're trying to educate them and trying to help them do better in their business. So so it's slowly coming. People are finally starting to get it. What we're seeing on trade show floors is the organizers um, having like educational corners, having coffee chats where um, where exhibitors can come in and just sit and talk with consumers and help educate them about something in the in the business or something that has 
has to do with their product, but it's not an opportunity to sell. It's not an opportunity to get out your little RFP form and take notes. It's an opportunity to help broaden their education base and help them make better decisions, buying decisions, and help them possibly understand a process, help them understand how something works. You know, so so we're definitely seeing way more um, experience things coming in, but it's, you know, breaking those old school habits is hard. Going from a selling mentality to a to a helping mentality is is very different. It is different, but it, I mean, it works and it, it totally works. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it, it, that's really cool. And you know, one other thing that was remarkable to me is a lot of people come to us and they're like, "Well, I want to figure out what my customers want and how I can provide them, and I want to do surveys and spend months and even years." trying to figure that market research out. But it seems like in that one event that you were talking about with the software company, you did probably what people take months and years in what, a day? A day, day and a half, yep. Yeah, and, yeah. and what that software company say about it? They, they were, they said that it was by far way exceeded their expectations, that they did not expect to get the kind of insights that they got into these guys' businesses and that they would never have gotten those insights through a survey or through doing a, even doing a panel and doing a Q&A, any of that kind of stuff by actually getting to live, they got to live their world because they were out on this excursion trying to find new ideas and talking about how those ideas fit in their business. So they got to be a part of their team for the day as opposed to being an outsider just asking questions about the team. So um, it was a totally flipped experience for them and they they loved it loved it so and the board loved it they were like yeah we're going to be excited about being a part of this board so um, because it's not just all about what can they give you it's about what you can create together that's i love that create together and and yeah that's a such a fantastic thing because not only are you providing value but you're doing it in tandem yes and what that's perfect marketing because you're providing value and that's what one thing i try and tell people the question what Advertising is a part of marketing, but marketing is not advertising. Correct. Totally and, different things. And yeah, marketing is just showing your value and that they really provide a value. Um, so I, I, I see a few points here in creating an event. We want to make sure the event is valuable, uh, truly valuable to the person. What other major points do you think in creating an event? Um, you have to deliver content that's, and that comes to the value, but you have to deliver content that's relevant and usable to them. And one of the things that we're, and this board of directors example kind of shows it, one of the things that we're seeing in meetings and events right now is a total flip in how people want to participate. And partially it's coming, the new generations coming in and them being social and, and kind of the way they work. And, and it's also about our attention spans getting much shorter and we're not willing to sit and listen to people talk anymore. We want to do something. But what we're starting to see in, in those meetings is a lot more peer to peer sharing. So it's, so there will, might be a presentation expert that shares something, you know, and they do a 10 or 15 minutes on here's the bubble, here's the topic, and then let's, let's talk about it at a table or let's do some kind of a hands on activity. Cause as adult learners, we want things to be relevant right now. We need to be able to use it right now. We don't care. It's not like it when you were in elementary school and they said you need to learn, um, you need to learn geography and history and math and all of that and it's stuff that may not 
not be applicable now, but it's going to be applicable. You're going to need it when you get down the road. As adult learners, we need to know right now what we need to know right now. We don't really care a whole lot about what's going to happen down the road. We are concerned about trends and how we make use of trends and things like that, but it's more immediate knowledge that we need and it's more relevant and we want to participate in that sharing. We don't want to just have, we know stuff. And so we want to participate in the sharing at those events. So that would be a really critical part of creating an event is, is creating a way for this peer-to-peer -peer interaction to happen. So people are really truly talking about what it is you want them to talk about. Awesome. And so besides value and peer-to-peer -peer interaction, are there any other critical criteria? Um, I would say experiential. People don't want to come and sit and listen to a speaker talk or watch a video. They want something experiential. They want something hands-on. So the more sensory you can make it, the more you can incorporate, you know, all of the different five senses into your program um, would be very, very critical. Uh, and, you know, I like the idea. A lot of people think content and they think either speaking yeah. or uh, everyone watches a video, maybe some music. Uh, but... You know, the idea that content can be anything that someone absorbs, any type of information is yeah. really important. Um, can you give maybe some far out examples of ways you've done that? <laughs> oh, now you're going to test me. <laughs> um, no, I, I would well, we created an event for a pharmaceutical company and they were launching a new product and the, um, and it was an internal meeting. So it was for all the sales reps to learn this new product. And um, at the end of the day, they wanted to see if they had gotten any of what they had just sat through for eight hours. So we created a great big, huge cocktail reception where we took their content and created games using their content. So we had a whole family feud style game. We had a whole spin the wheel game. We had a, um, a lot of action games where they had to like answer questions and toss things and do all of that. So it was a way that we kind of brought their content to life for them and tested to see were people getting it? Were they not getting it? Did they, did it make sense? All of that. Awesome. So if I wanted to start and create an event that was not me just talking, uh, what do you think the first steps are? Um, probably Besides throw, calling you. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just call me. We'll help you. Probably the first step would be is to throw away those, those old traditional ideas of, okay, well, I want my content to be X, Y, Z, so I'm going to hire Bob and Sally and Bill, and those guys are going to come in and speak because most of the old school people that are speakers are speakers, not facilitators. So the first thing I would suggest is you hire a good facilitator. You hire somebody that knows how to structure um, structure events and structure content in a, in a more hands-on facilitating way as opposed to a speaking kind of teaching kind of a way. That would probably be my first suggestion. Um, any other suggestions? Is there something that they could do right now? If they're driving along and they're like, I'm going to make an event, get out of the car and do this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, I mean, you can start small. You don't have to, you know, creating your own event is a big step. And, you know, it, it, it could be something small like a cocktail party. But, um, but creating your own event that's really content driven and really, um, really meaningful to your marketplace and will really capture their attention when they're being flooded with a hundred other things going on um, takes a little bit of time and doing and sometimes some money to, to put together. So, so I think the one thing you could consider doing is looking at, you know, 
if you're in, in some kind of a vertical industry, looking in that industry and see where there's an opportunity to create an event for yourself within that thing, just to, like we're doing with our playroom. We're gonna, we're capitalizing on the 30,000 people that are already at this industry event and creating this playroom and sponsoring that. So, um, so I think the first thing to think about is who are your customers? So if you're driving down the road, it's like, who are my customers and what do they need? Not what do I want to sell them? What do they need? What's going on in their world? What are they thinking about? The old, what are they, what's keeping them up at night? And then how can I help them figure out how to solve some of those issues? Um, and then putting together some kind of an event or a conference that, you know, I always say the solutions are in this room. So sometimes it's just putting the right people in the right place together and setting the setting in a correct way so that they can have a conversation and they can talk. Um, so that would probably be my first step. If you want to do your own event is look at, is there a way to piggyback on another event that's already existing and, you know, in another industry event or, you know, it so depends on your market and whether you're B2B or B2C, you know, yeah. some of those are, are, you know, you think a little bit differently from those. Um, but that'd probably be my first step. Who's my customer? What do they need? What's going on in their world? And then is there an opportunity to, to piggyback a smaller event and start developing a following. You know, our goal is that we hope that this playroom will take off and we will be able to do it at other conferences and that clients will hire us to do it for their conferences. So, um, so we're, so we're thinking that hopefully it might even become a standalone event where we invite all of our customers to come to the playroom and, um, we create an entire event for them. This is a standalone event. Are you going to put uh, video or pictures of the playroom on your Facebook page? Oh, absolutely. It'll be all over Facebook, yeah, uh, okay. and LinkedIn. And, and your website. At our website. <laughs> uh, yeah, so playwithapurpose.com and check out that. Um, so let's move on to talking about using the content from the events. Tell me ways that... You know, tell me ways that you've seen this work in the past. Well, I'll give you an example. Um, the easiest thing to do is to take your little phone, your little camera phone, your little smartphone with you. And then when you are at events, get little sound bites and small pieces of information from people that are there. As an example, there's an industry magazine in our industry that does a meetings in a minute program. And so what they do is they go to every industry conference there is. They find um, folks within the industry that have something interesting to say. They literally get out their phone and microphone and say, I want to do a meetings in a minute. Give me your best tip on something. And so people like I've done one on creativity. I've done one on putting play in your meetings. You could, you know, they've had ones on legal issues. How do you, how do you solve this contract thing? What's your one tip to be a better negotiator? You know, it's anything that has to do that might help somebody within our industry. So you could be that meetings in a minute person, go to your industry conferences, interview people at the, at the meeting that are there and have relevant and something interesting to say, post it all over your own website or post it in your own social media. So that's a very, very inexpensive, very easy way to, um, to, to get some content out there that's, that's not generated by you, that's generated by somebody else. So that, and that, you know, two things that I really liked about that. A, the content is generated by somebody else. B, you know, when we first talked about events as content, I was thinking, well, I have to have my own event. But it's such a great idea to go to other events 
and you utilize those and leverage yep, those. Utilize those as content. Yeah, I think people think too much that they have to sit down and create something big to create content. And and we you know, it's it's so easy for us to think that way, but really what people want are those one minute meetings. Yes. They want that small bit of content, something that I can listen to in the car or watch in the, for two minutes because if it's twenty minutes, that's too yeah. much. Uh, what other ways? So, tell me a little bit about the idea of using uh, other parts of the event as content. Um, well, obviously, there's content all throughout the entire meeting. So, you could um, go to any session you wanted to go to and use that as content in a blog or you know on your Facebook page or share or tweet you know quick tips from different speakers and things. Another way to do it would be to see if you can have um, ten minutes with speakers. And here's a tip I will give everybody is that most speakers at industry conferences are fairly lonely because, because people put them on a pedestal as, as, oh, they're the speaker. They're not one of us. And so they're, and most speakers are really just one of us, you know, as a person who speaks all the time. And especially if I'm speaking in a, con- in a conference that's not really within my industry and I don't have a lot of my peers there, it's very lonely. And most speakers would love to have anybody from the group come up and say, hey, can I pick your brain about something? Or would you go into a little bit more depth about X that you just talked about? Or how have you seen somebody in my world using what you just talked about? You know, and they will talk your ear off and give you all the content you want because um, because they're that's what they're there for. They're there and happy to share. Now, you know, if, if um, you know, President Clinton is speaking, he's probably not going to be that person. But most of the content speakers are happy to share any ideas. You can take notes. You can, you know, just, you know, just record it on your thing, go home, write blogs, share the content, tweet it out, whatever it is. And so, and, and, and then you, and you say things like, I had the, you know, I had the very special opportunity of talking behind the scenes with X speaker, even though you're standing at the cocktail party, you know, so, um, so you can use a lot of that kind of information to do it. Um, and then the other thing is just talking to attendees and getting their unique insights and unique thoughts on things. And again, it doesn't have to be long. People don't want to read 20 page things or even read, you know, more than 140 characters most times. So it can just be short bursts and your short pieces of insight that you get just from talking to other attendees. Wow. So you pr- provide the action items up front so now people aren't going to listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, so let's say if I do own the event, if I'm the event coordinator or I'm the corporate event sponsor, what are ways, um, some unique ways? I mean, obviously I can take someone's keynote speech and put it on my uh, website, but what are some ways that you're seeing people use the event content longer term? Um, mostly white papers. Mostly people are taking that content and using it to develop some kind of a research-based white paper. And sometimes that research base is serious research. And sometimes it's, you know, I surveyed 20 of my clients and got this information. We're also seeing a lot of infographics, a lot of people taking things that are, um, that are quantifiable and turning them into infographics and posting those on websites and posting those on, you know, on different places. So those are probably two of the ones that they're using the actual content within the meeting. So, or within the event depends on, you know, what what it is. Do you find that the content is dynamic as the event, you know, where they might script it out and then it becomes something else that they didn't expect kind of like with that credit union? Um, 
sometimes, sometimes it becomes something totally different. And it, and again, it depends on what kind of event you're hosting too. It depends on if you're, you know, if you're just, if you're having a, you know, a, a uh, you know, dinner for, you know, dinner for eight and you're just inviting people to come and have a conversation and, you know, that's a little different than if you're hosting a South by Southwest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it really depends on the, on the, on the, on the thing. I think the key is, Creating your event. If you're going to own an event, create an event that you get what you want out of that event. Um, and the, everybody that comes also gets what they need out of the event. So if you're looking for, if you're looking to have 20 blogs of content out of this event, then you might structure it a little bit different than if you're just looking to get insights from your customers. So. Again, it comes back to purposeful design of the event. Know what you need to get out of it and know what you're, why you're doing the event. And, you know, your company is called Play With a Purpose. And, you know, obviously it's about fun. Do you feel like any event can have fun in it, even if it's not a fun topic? Um, any event can have interaction and hands-on participation in it. It may not necessarily... Um, be joyful, it, it, laughing, yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, there's, I guess there's different, there's all different kinds of fun, you know, and, and so, so I guess that yes, any, any conference could. I think that's what people want. People want that interaction and that engagement and that peer to peer talking piece. So whether you're having, you know, whether you're doing something that is purely a celebration or whether you're doing something that could be a, a difficult topic to talk about. There's ways to create that give and take of ideas and sharing of thoughts and that interaction so that it does become a little bit more fun, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, you know, our, our company was formed um, by Plato had a quote that said, you can learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation because people play real when you play something, you 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 see for, with the other person how they play. You see, are they competitive? Are they win at all costs? Are they all about sharing? Are they do they take a leadership role? And so there's a lot of things you can see about people when they play because people play real. They don't um, they don't usually have fronts when they're playing. And so uh, so that's kind of where our company, this whole play with the purpose, came from. Is that you can learn a lot about people, you can teach people, and you can coach people and train people and share ideas and change behaviors through play because people are real when they play yeah and that's fantastic because I, and what I really like about that idea is when people come to us they, they try and make their content so generic and so their conversations are really generic and you know the idea that you could go to an event watch people play and discover what they really do and what they really want and who they truly are because if you just pull them even if you're at the event and just ask them and talk to them, well, you're going to get a, a probably canned response. But it, yeah, you, you put them in that uh, competitive environment 
and you see the real person come yeah. out. Well, here, here's a really interesting stat, and it totally really doesn't have a whole lot to do with what we're talking, but it, it does address the thing of people being real. You know, there's all kinds of studies out there because we do a lot of, it, it, through our play, we do a lot of community service and give back programs. So we incorporate this team building and this education and all of that and try and do some kind of a give back at the same time. So there's all kinds of research out there now that says that students, college graduates, will um, turn down money and choose a company because of their CSR, their corporate social responsibility pieces. If they are good community partners and they're and they and they are charitable and all of that, a student will choose them more often than they'll choose another company. But and, and that's what you would expect people to say, yeah, I'm going to choose that company. That's what I would say if I got surveyed. But the reality is I talked to a friend of mine in the pharmaceutical business in the HR department, and I said, is that true? Do you see that? And she says, we survey every single new person that joins our company. We ask them why I, they joined our company. CSR doesn't even show up on the list. And they're, <laughs> and they're one of the most uh, charitable, give back um, corporately social, corporately responsible companies that I know. The things that this company does are amazing, and they're well known for it. And um, but that as an as an attribute of why somebody chose the job never shows up on the radar screen. So so it just goes to show you that surveying. The point I was going to make is yeah. surveying people. People a lot of times say what they think is right or what people want to hear or what they feel is the right answer, but it doesn't actually show how they're going to really behave when the time comes to put it in action. So surveys will get you to a certain point, but the real the real learning comes when you really can just sit down and talk to people or when you can see them in action or when you can watch what they do and how they act. So That's, a, yeah, that's such a great idea because... You know, we can sit and I, I absorb a ton of content and, you know, we were talking about creating content, but really the content we absorb affects the content we create. And if we're absorbing all these polls and surveys and huffing and posts saying, well, millennials like, uh, you know, they, they want community service, but when in reality they don't, we're, it's leading us down this bad path. So that's a great way. I didn't even think of, um, obviously you've had a lot of ways I haven't thought of, but yeah, having events where you can observe what and create that content for yourself yeah yeah there's a um there's a <clears throat> resort i don't know whether they're still doing it now because the guy who was ahead of that apartment left but there was a resort that used to it was a ski resort in the winter and then a summer resort obviously and um they used to when they were getting ready to hire all their summer employees they'd they'd figure out who they wanted to interview and they'd bring them all in and do a play day and basically do a whole bunch of different activities where they had to participate and do different different things and they watched them and evaluated them and determined what job they were going to get based on how they played in the games. So people that were quiet and shy and reserved and didn't jump into the action got more behind the scenes jobs. They didn't get those customer front jobs and the people that were out there taking, um, playing and socializing and laughing and having fun, they got the front house jobs. They got the jobs where you're directly interacting with guests and then they watched to see who had leadership who took leadership roles so if you know if you were playing a game of dodgeball who took control and said okay you you know here's what we're going to do and here's how our strategy is going to work is there somebody that took that and then they took those people and put them in a role where they had the opportunity to possibly grow into a 
management kind of a position. So they did their whole, they they interviewed and, and found people initially who they thought they wanted to hire. Then they put them out on the field and decided where they were going to hire them based on how they played. That's like Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only no, no arrows and no death. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah. And, and, and that's so, so much more effective than yeah. doing a bunch of personality yeah. tests and hoping that you get them in the right yeah. place. Yeah. It doesn't have a lot to do with marketing, but it does. Well, it, but it's but it is um, it is an effective tool to if you think about the premise behind it, that you're going to learn more about people doing things hands on with them. I think that's why golf has always been such a such a prevalent business activity because you're out there for four or six hours on a course with somebody. You have an opportunity to see are they kicking the ball to the to the hole when you're not looking and are they, you know, are they cheating on the scores and are they are they, you know, upright and, and you just have an opportunity to let your hair down and talk about things that you you don't ever get to talk about on a normal basis. So. Yeah. And in Florida you get to see if they can survive in that yeah. hundred degree heat for four hours. <laughs> How much stamina they have. <laughs> you get to see a, the real side of a person after you've been out in the Florida heat for four hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> true. It's it, not my game. <laughs> it's my wintertime game, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we talked a few action items that at the beginning of this podcast, which I really liked about creating content and getting content and interviewing people. Uh, but, you know, I, I like this idea of surveying people and surveying them through their actions um, and creating your own content. Can you give me a few, maybe little things that people could do at an event that would be easy to see how people interact? Um, put you on the spot. Yeah, you did put me on the spot. My first thought is, is just um, conscious curiosity. That And that's, you know, that's something we talk a lot about is it's about, about, being curious and being um, open to new ideas and open to seeing new things with on a conscious level because a lot of times we go places and we have we have an audience right in front of us but we're so caught up in having the next drink or you know or listening to the speaker or whatever that we don't consciously take advantage of those people that are around us so I think it's 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 knowing what you're what you want to find out and then watching for that or asking for that. So, so as an example, um, I, I was really curious with my clients why they, um, while, when they're so budget conscious, they, and they're trying to save every penny they can, why they would go through a third party in our world there's you know you can come direct to us to buy us or you can use a third party meeting management company who will put together your whole meeting for you but you pay more money for that and so i was curious why do they when they're so budget driven and they don't have any money why are they paying more for that so i was i was consciously aware that I was looking for that answer. I was trying to figure out how, why do they do what they do? And so everywhere I went, I was in tune listening for ideas that speakers were sharing, things that meeting planners were saying in peer-to-peer discussions, and, and asking planners that I knew, share with me 
here, there's a dichotomy here. So just tell me why. And then, and then I, I'm not going to broadcast that obviously, because I don't want any of my competitors to know, (laughs) but, um, but, but it gave me information that I needed in order to make decisions for running my business. That's, I mean, I think that's the best point we've made so far. You know, you've made a lot of points, but when you're looking to create that content and be, have that one answer that you're looking for. And that's, uh, you know, so many people want to go find out the answers to then all of life in their (laughs) content and and give it, give it, but yeah, pay attention and listen to that and listen to it everywhere you go. That's a fantastic tip that we can take day in and day out. Um, there's an awesome book. I don't know if we've ever discussed it called Curious uh, by Todd Cashton, where he talks about the, the mental workings of curiosity and how how important. But there's an added bonus to being curious. People like curious people better. They think they're better looking. They think they're smarter if you ask questions. So when you're at those yeah. meetings, and I think a lot of people are afraid to ask questions yeah. and afraid to ask those type of questions. But you actually end up being smarter and prettier if you're asking questions. Yeah, yeah, and and it's funny because I think a lot of what happens at if you're at an industry meeting or whatever, you you spend a lot of time. Um, you know, renewing acquaintances and how's your kids and, you know, where'd you go on vacation this year? And, and I think that's all part of it because being, you know, it's building relationships and relationships are as much personal as they are professional. So that's all part of it. But I think if you go to a, if you go to a meeting or to any kind of an event with a specific purpose in mind, then your brain, you know, the way your brain works is you put that in the back of your brain and then subconsciously you're more noticeable and and you become, and you become more more focused on getting those kinds of things. And you're also focused about asking for that kind of stuff. But um, it's like if you're trying to come up with a new idea, you never get it around the conference table. You get it at home in the shower or driving in the car or someplace where you're not consciously thinking about it. So if you can put it in the back of your head, I really want to know about such and such content or I really want to know more about whatever my business is, then, you know, let, you know, stew on it. And then that helps you be, be consciously curious. You know, it helps you, you know, when you're least expected, an insight or a revelation is going to come for you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the tips and the awesome advice. Um, If someone wants to work with you, if they want their next event to be play with a purpose, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, You can um, check out my website. It's um, playwithapurpose.com. Very simple or very easy. We're also on Facebook, Play With A Purpose. Or if you want to give me a phone call, my phone number is 407-872-3838. All right, Sharon. Thank you so much for being with us. It was fantastic. Um, And I look forward to hearing about your event and all the success with the Playroom. Thanks. We're really looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. So those are some great action tips from Sharon on creating your event. Some great stories about ways that have worked. Um, creating your event takes a little bit of work, but you, you know you keep it simple. You can keep it small to start out, um, and piggyback on another event, like she said, an event within an event. What a great way to do it because you have a captured audience, you have an engaged audience. Think about. Last time you were to an awesome conference or an awesome talk, how engaged were you and how ready were you to go and having some sort of small breakout with intent and engagement that piled upon that, how would that have charged you? And if that person would have followed up, what would that have done to you? And what can that do for your target audience, for the people that you want to influence? 
even if you just provide a lot of value, that one-on-one time, that engagement is going to alter the way people think about you permanently. And you can use it. I love the idea of using it as a way to learn about your clients. So often we just want to market to, and we talk about listening and really using analytics. And we'll talk about listening in future episodes, but you can get all this data and years worth of data. And really that years worth of data could be found in a day of highly intense engagement and taking and moving people in a certain way. So, you know what, if you're thinking about doing an event and you have a little bit of money, give Sharon a call. And do me a favor. When we talk about engagement, I'd like you to do me a big one. Face-to-face marketing for me. You know, I'm trying to help you all out. I really want you all to do well. Um, Of course, I'd love for you to hire Authentic Web. We're not for everyone. We're not definitely not the cheapest, but I think we're the best. But even if you can't hire us, do me a big favor. Tell one person today about what you learned. Because I know you learned a lot about events. Tell one person today what you learned about it and tell them to listen to my podcast and tell them the power of the podcast and tell them about another podcast to listen to. It's great because you have a conversation starter. So next time you see that person, you're like, hey, did you listen to that podcast? Yeah, that guy pronounces his name weird. Or I learned a lot and I want to learn more. Let's talk about it. Maybe let's work together. There's a lot in it for you, but do me a favor. Tell someone about this podcast. Share it with them. Send a via email. You can share it right from your iPhone. Just make sure you're at a stoplight. If you're in New York, just make sure the cops don't see you. I got uh, pulled over in Times Square playing with my phone. Um, I was dead stopped. Don't worry. I wasn't texting and driving. I was texting and parked. Uh, anyways, share, share my podcast. <laughs>